Welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcast at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can subscribe on Podbeam, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play Music. If you have any questions for Pastor Eric or would like to suggest topics for our podcast, you can email Pastor Eric at erik.anderson at nllutheran.com. Well, today we're going to continue on our sermon series called Credo. And over the next several weeks, we're going to continue talking about the Apostles' Creed. And uh, this is something that you guys should know well. We say it almost every week. We either say the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed each and every week that we worship together. And these creeds are very, very old. They're old poems that the early church, uh, they distilled biblical truth into the foundations. So when somebody asks you, what do Christians believe? You can recite the Apostles' Creed. That's the idea is that you know exactly what the Bible teaches about God, about Jesus Christ, and about the work of the Holy Spirit. So two weeks ago, we started with the first article, I Believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of Heaven and Earth. We talked about how each of us are created by God, how we are given an identity and a purpose in God's work in us. And then the uh, second article that we heard last week was, I Believe in Jesus Christ, um, His Only Son, Our Lord, and we talked about how God pursues us and how God saves us through the work of Jesus Christ. And so today, we're going to continue our conversation, and we're moving on to the very first phrase of the third article, and it says this, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. So today, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. And this week, as I was preparing uh, for this teaching, uh, my wife and two boys, they had to go down to Kansas, where we're from. Uh, They had a death in the family, so they were going down for a funeral. I wasn't able to go down with them this week. And so I've been by myself now. They left on Wednesday, and I've been by myself now for whatever that is, four or five days. And uh, you husbands, you probably know, and and, you you wives too, you know that when you're by yourself, it's kind of nice, isn't it? It's kind of nice to have a couple days where you can be home by yourself and you can get some things done, right? Where you're not, I mean, I don't know if you guys remember when you had young kids or if you have young kids now, really like you get home from work and it's like you have to be on the entire time because those kids, they need your attention. They need you to be with them, playing with them. And really until they go to bed, you don't get any time to yourself. You don't get any time to work on things around the house. So you really only get a short window after they go to bed and when you go to bed to get anything done. Anyway, so it's nice to have a few days by, uh, by myself. And so when my wife uh, realized, when she got the news uh, that a family member died and knew she would have to go down to Kansas, she went into like, uh, she goes into this mode where she's just getting things done, like super task driven, very like productive. And I said, Sarah, honey, don't worry about it. Don't stress out. Don't try to clean up the kitchen, clean up the house. I'll clean, okay? You, you're going down there. I'm staying here. Just pack up and you can go and don't worry about every, anything. I'll take care of everything while you're gone. I'll clean up the kitchen, I'll clean up the house, I'll shampoo the carpets. We have, we have a couch that you can like take apart. And of course we have a three-year-old and one and a half-year-old, so our couch is disgusting. I mean, it's, it's disgusting. So I, I was like, I'll take it apart and I'll wash it really well and we'll, we'll take, I'll take care of it. 
Anyway, so Sarah and the boys left and I was home by myself and I got a lot of those projects done. Uh, but I don't know if you guys do this too, uh, but when I start a project, I plan it all out. I know exactly what I'm going to do. I get started on that project and I work through the process and I get about 90 or 95% done. And it's almost complete, and for some reason, it's really hard just to finish that last 5% of the project. Do you guys know what I'm talking about here? I call these 15-minute projects, where it's like, oh, I can finish that project if I just do it for about 15 minutes. We have another 15-minute uh, project in our house. I renovated our master bedroom, and the process that it was before Ambrose was born, we had this nasty asbestos tiling from the 70s and this built-out uh, uh, closet that was taking up a quarter of the bedroom. And so I ripped all of that out before Ambrose was born. It was a year and a half ago now. And finally, about a year later, um, I got the walls painted and the ceiling finished. Danny actually helped me finish the ceiling. But the ceiling was finished, got the new light fixture in, the walls are painted, everything looks great. And there's only one step left, is I need to put trim around the top of the ceiling. And it's been several months now since I've needed to put trim on the ceiling. And it would not take that much time to go to Menard's and get the trim and put it on the scene. But for whatever reason, right, you get to that last 5% and it's just, that's the hardest part, right? Is that last 15 minute project. And so I tend to do this a lot. Maybe you guys have the same experience where you leave these kind of 15 minute projects around. You get almost finished and then it's just hard to get that last one or two things done and finished it. Well, I have several of these projects still in the house that I was given a list and now I still have several 15 minute projects around the house. And as I was preparing for the sermon, I was thinking, man, the church also has some 15 minute projects. Not just our church new life, but the church in general has some 15 minute projects that we've left undone. And I was thinking about this, especially as a Lutheran church, for those of you who uh, grew up in the Lutheran church or, or have attended New Life for a long time, you know that us Lutherans, we have salvation figured out, that we are saved by grace through faith. In the last two weeks, we've talked about God has created us and God has saved us, and we know this really well. We are so confident in the work of Jesus Christ. We know, we know, we know, we know that we are saved by God's grace that we are helpless before God, but his overflowing love has brought us into his uh, family and he has saved us. What we're not so good at is the discipleship thing, the back half of salvation. We know that we're saved and then we just kind of, we just stop. There's nothing more. And for those of you who did grow up Lutheran, maybe you know it as this, where uh, maybe you've had your own family members, your own kids or grandkids, or you yourself were baptized as a child, and then you were confirmed when you were a freshman, and then you just stopped going to church, right? This is another example, um, and this is just a, a realistic look at our church right now. Uh, we have a membership role of just over 700, and our weekly attendance pre-coronavirus was about 333. That means over half of the people connected to our church don't go to worship on a weekend, right? And that's kind of typical of Lutheran churches. We have lots of people connected to our church, but we don't quite, they're not quite engaged. And sometimes even the people who are here worshiping every week aren't quite engaged. So discipleship is kind of the 15-minute project that we leave undone. We have salvation. We know that we're saved. That's really the most important thing that we can know. But there's this whole, I call it the second half of salvation. It's the other side of the coin. 
and we would call that holiness or sanctification. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So today, um, we're not dealing specifically with salvation. The last two weeks, we were, we were dealing with salvation, that God has saved us. There's nothing we can do to be saved. God has saved us simply because he loves us. Today, we're going to be talking about the 15-minute project. We're going to be talking about the second half of salvation, and that's holiness, or being filled and led by the Holy Spirit. So that's what we're talking about today, and we're using this text from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, and this church was a, a, it was a kind of a thriving church, but they were a little bit disorderly. Most of them were uh, pagans or Gentiles. They were not Jews before they came to believe in Jesus Christ, and so these people were really, they did not understand much of the story. And so Paul had to do a lot of work of teaching them the Christian story, of teaching them the Jewish story, that Jesus was the Jewish Messiah and that Yahweh is the one true God. The God of Jesus Christ is the one true God. And so they were kind of disorderly. They were filled by the Holy Spirit. They were doing their work, but there were some things that they just weren't quite getting right. They thought that because they were free in Christ that they could continue to sin or actually increase their sin. And they kind of, they kind of said that the Holy Spirit was leading them into some of these sins. And Paul had to do some correction. So Paul spends a lot of time talking about the Holy Spirit in First and Second Corinthians. And this is one passage about gifts about the Holy Spirit empowering individuals to do certain things. And this is what he says. Brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. You know that when you were Gentiles, you were often misled by false gods that can't even speak. As I mentioned, many of these folks were pagans or Gentiles before they became Christians. And so they, were, they, they worshiped the Greek gods. And what they would do is that they would have to make all these sacrifices to Zeus and Athena and Artemis and all of these different gods. And in the Greek system, the gods really didn't communicate with people. They had these oracles that could predict the future, but there wasn't really a, a mechanism where the gods could tell you exactly what they wanted for you. And so you would make these sacrifices and you just kind of hoped that the gods would look favorably upon you. You just kind of hoped that you would have good luck. So you made all these sacrifices, but you were never really sure what the gods thought about you. And Paul's making the point here that Yahweh, the God of Jesus Christ, is not this way. That the God of Jesus does, in fact, speak to us. And in the past, these Corinthian Christians, they were misled by these idols who don't speak. They were misled by this false notion of them just having to do what they can and hope that everything would turn out. But that's not the way that God, the true God, operates in the world. We know that God speaks to us and that he works in us. And Paul continues to talk about how the Holy Spirit and how God continues to work and to speak into our lives. This is what he says. He says, there are different spiritual gifts but the same spirit. And there are different ministries, but the same Lord. There are different activities, but the same God who produces all of them. So he says, you have the Holy Spirit, you have a God who speaks, and this is what God does for you. And do you notice that there's the Trinity in this? There's the Father, there's what's God, there's the Son, which is the same Lord, and then there's the Holy Spirit. There's the three persons of the Trinity talked about here. And each individual of the Trinity is associated with giving certain things. So we're going to look at each one of these briefly, um, and we're going to go in reverse order. So we're going to start with activities and then do ministries and spiritual gifts. So this is what we see here, that there are three things that God does for us. After we are saved... Right? This isn't about salvation. This is about walking in the Holy Spirit. This is about discipleship. There are three things that God gives us. 
There are activities, and these are given to us from the Father. Now, I know sometimes I joke that, uh, sometimes I'll stand up here and say, there are times when it's kind of difficult to understand what the Bible says, and this isn't one of those times. Well, this is, in fact, one of those times. This word, activities, this is just the translators doing the best they can to translate this word. There's really no good translation for this word. So what this word literally means is portion. So God the Father gives each of us a portion of life. He gives us a portion of uh, himself. And we are given certain personality traits. We are given certain skills. We are given a certain number of days. We are given certain bodies. And this is a gift from God. So think about two weeks ago when I, when I preached on God being the creator how God gives us a unique DNA that no one had before, that no one has after, that dictates if our personalities, if we are introverted, we like, we're energized by time alone, or we're extroverted, where we're energized by interactions with people, if we're task-oriented or people-oriented, if we're high energy or low energy, God gives us these personality traits. He also gives us some natural skills. Some of us are just more naturally athletic than others. Some of us are shorter than others. Some of us are taller than others, bigger, smaller. He gives us these portions. And these are gifts from God that he has given us to operate in the world. That's what this activities is. See, activities isn't a very good word for that. But there's really no good word. But it's the, the word literally is portion. God has given you, you. He's given you the way that you think and the way that you look and the way that your personality works in the world. He's given that to you. If you want to think through that a little bit more, you can go back and listen to the sermon from a couple weeks ago. Then he says that there are many ministries but the same Lord, the same Jesus Christ who gives the ministries. And this is calling. This is ministries as ways to serve. So each and every one of us is in fact a minister. We are all called to serve in different ways. If we're a child, that's how we're called to serve. If our parents are still alive, we are a child. If we're married, that's how we're called to serve, is to serve and love our spouse. If we have children, we're called to serve as a parent. If we have brothers and sisters, we're called to serve as a brother or sister. We're also called in different ways. Some of us are really, really interested in uh, technology, and so we serve in the tech booth or whatever. Some of us are gifted in, our, our, we're called to serve in areas of leadership or planning or strategy, so we serve on the ministry team or the fellowship team or the leadership team, I mean, or the fellowship team or some other way, God or the Lord Jesus Christ, he calls us to different ministries, different ways that we are to serve. So in your life, there are areas that God is calling you to serve. And it may be as simple as your relationships with your family, or it can be serving in the church or out in the world somehow. So some of us are called to serve in politics, so we're on the city council or we're state representatives, those types of things. We're called to serve in lots of different ways, and those things are from Jesus. He gives us things to do, activities and ministries to do. And then the last one is the spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit. And um, in the most simple form, spiritual gifts are Things that the Holy Spirit gives us, abilities that he gives us that are outside of our normal operating procedure. So outside of what we would normally do or say or think, the Holy Spirit actually gives us certain gifts. And there's a lot of gifts that, that the scripture talks about. We're not going to be able to talk about them all. There are nine that are listed here. And this isn't a complete list of all the spiritual gifts. This is just a, a selection of them. 
And Paul's point here in this passage is not to um, encourage you or to get you to pick a gift or, or choose a gift that you think that he has given you. That's not the point. The point is that he has given you things to do. He's given you abilities to do, and you should be serving, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But these are some of the ways that you might find yourself operating in the spirit that are outside of your normal standard operating procedure. For example, um, there, are, there is the gift of words of wisdom. So a way that you might think through this, if there are moments in your life where someone comes to you for some kind of uh, counsel, if they come to you and they have a hard decision to make, and, or if they have lost a loved one and you somehow are able to give them wise counsel or able to comfort them, and you get done with that conversation, you say, I have no idea what I said or how I said that, but it just happened, that might be a spiritual gift of wisdom that you can get through a conversation and you're like, I have not thought through this before, but that just, it came out of my mouth. That might be the spiritual gift of words of wisdom. There's also the spiritual gift of words of knowledge. With this, is, um, this can be as uh, simple as being able to pick up on new things very quickly. So if you're someone who learns very easily, you might have the gift of words of knowledge. Also, if you seem to just know things about people or have impressions about people before you get to know them, that might be the spiritual gift of knowledge. God may, the Holy Spirit may be giving you knowledge that you shouldn't necessarily have. Things that you haven't studied, things that you haven't done, and you're able to know things about others or know things about the world without necessarily doing all the research yourself. That might be the gift of knowledge. There are other gifts too. The gift of faith, this would be if you, through thick and thin, you have faith that, G, that, that God is caring for you, that he loves you, and you know, you know, you know that God has you and is protecting you, that might be the gift of faith. If you're kind of unflappable when the going gets tough, that might be the gift of faith. Some people have the gift of healing where they're able to pray for healing and people are miraculously healed. The gift of miracles, being able to pray for certain things and it, be, and it happen. The gifts of prophecy, which is God's truth in God's time. So if you're able just to pull up scripture without really knowing where it comes from, if you're able just to speak scripture, that's a pretty common way that prophecy uh, displays itself. There are gifts of discernment, discerning the spirits. Um, this happened to me when I was, when I was a young, young pastor. My first church hired me when I was 23, and I was a senior pastor. I don't know why they hired a 23-year-old, but I walked into this church, and there was uh, some serious dysfunction, and there was uh, one individual that was connected to this church that was really unhealthy, and, uh, and I think that, there were, that the enemy was working through this individual, and the first time I met them, I thought, this person is dangerous, and I need to be on guard when they're around. There was no reason to do this. This person did not seem mean. They did not seem evil. They were just a normal person. But the first time I met them, the Holy Spirit told me, this person is dangerous. You need to be careful. That was a moment where the Holy Spirit gave me discernment and they, they did turn out to be pretty messed up. Um, then there's the gift of tongues. So this can be uh, if you learn languages quickly or if you're able to speak languages that you don't know very well um, or if you're able to speak the heavenly tongue, that's the gift of tongues. And then there's also the gift of interpretation. If you understand language that you really don't know that well, that's the gift of interpretation. So there's lots of different ways that the Holy Spirit operates. Some of them are a little bit more spectacular than others. Some of them are a little bit more, they seem fancier than others. Uh, but the important thing that Paul makes here is that all of these gifts are given to believers 
not to uh, pigeonhole you into doing one type of thing in the church. They're not there for you to obsess over and wonder, well, what gift do I have? Do I have this gift or that gift? That's not, that's not the point. Paul gives an example of the gifts, some of the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives, and he says they're all for one purpose, to promote the common good in the church. So these spiritual gifts are given so that the church can build each other up and disciple each other. That's the point of the gifts. The ministries that Jesus gives us mostly has to do with outside of the church. There are some ministries inside the church, obviously, but these spiritual gifts, they really are given to us so that the church can do the work of discipleship, so that the church can do the work of developing each other in the faith. These things are given to us so we can work with God to building his kingdom here on earth. And in fact, every week, every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, we pray that God would build his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And God does that through us, through you and me. The Holy Spirit is given to us so that we can partner with God. It's given to us for the common good, so we can serve and love one another. In fact, in John 16, chapter 16, Jesus tells his disciples that they're better off with the Holy Spirit. He says, I have to leave, I'm gonna ascend into heaven, and it's better for you that I leave because you're gonna have the Holy Spirit. God's plan all along was to include us in the ministry and in the proclamation of Jesus Christ. That's the 15 minute project, is serving with God and partnering with God in his work to save the world. And so this is what we see today. The Holy Spirit empowers us to partner with God and to serve one another. This is what the Holy Spirit does. God is not interested in simply punching your ticket to heaven, then as soon as you die, you get to go to heaven. That's part of salvation, but that's not the whole of salvation. God doesn't just want to punch your ticket so that later you can go to heaven. He wants you to experience him now. In fact, your eternal life is right now. You are in the midst of your eternal life. Your eternal life doesn't start after you die. Your eternal life starts now. You are the same person that will be alive forever. You are the same person that will be resurrected on the last day and live with God forever. Your eternity is right now. You're in the middle of it. And God wants you to take part in that. And there is so much more for you than simply knowing you're gonna go to heaven when you die. Which is why he gives us the Holy Spirit. And he gives us the confidence and the courage and the love and the compassion to serve each other and to serve the world, to build each other up, to help each other know him better, and to help each other serve the world so that they can know him as well. This is what God wants for us. He's not interested in spectators, he wants partners. He wants you to partner with him, to work with him, to labor beside him. In fact, he's going to work through you. You're his plan to save the world. You're his plan to proclaim Jesus. You're his plan to uh, clothe the naked and to feed the hungry. You're it. I'm it. We're all in this together, and he's using us to serve and to love and to save the world. That's the 15-minute project. So let's not leave it undone, right? If we have some 15-minute projects around our house, that's okay. God will forgive us for not putting trim up around our, our master bedroom after we paint it and get the ceiling done, right? That'll be okay. But let's not leave this 15-minute project undone because God is inviting us to live in such a better headspace and such a better heart space, to know him and to know his peace and to work alongside him.
So let's do the 15 minute project. Some presidents